This week on the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. So, this is like the Imperial Z6. I, I, like, just to be Yeah, clear. It's, except it's range 4. Except it's range 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a podcast focused on tactics and competitive play for Star Wars Legion. Hosted by Kyle Dornboss, Michael Barry, and David Zelenka, with Jay Shalansky, the man behind the glass. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. Ten out of ten. <laughs> what on my pronunciation of Notorious? Yes. Are, um, are we not doing ASMR this week? What's what's the deal? No, no, no more. Would you like to do ASMR? ASMR. I can't, I can't even say that right. <laughs> I'm I'm moving my minis. <laughs> Critical one. Do we need to do some mouth sweet, breathing? Sweet sound of your minis getting removed from the board. Yeah, no ASMR. Shot by T21s. <laughs> no ASMR this week. Um, maybe next week we'll do an entire ASMR episode. Uh, <laughs> All right, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get those special mics and we'll, like, we'll like slowly rub them and like click <laughs> dice on one end. <laughs> we'll just like roll dice into the fifth trooper dice tray. Notorious like, scoundrels after dark. That thing does make yeah. a good sound, by the it way. Does. That fifth trooper dice tray. Um, oh yeah, very satisfying little click. Those dice just spin forever. Yep. Uh, all right. <laughs> so we are going to talk about, we got some news items. Um, there was another coin flip at a prime this weekend. So we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, we, we did talk, say we were going to talk about burning invites. So we'll do that. Um, we're going to talk about strength of schedule. And if there are alternatives to it, and then uh, we're gonna talk about some actual Legion units in the form of the upgrade packs. So, no way. Yeah, um, it's been we a while. we might not get to all four of them. We'll see how we're doing on time after our various um, uh, rants. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. you said the word I was thinking. We're, we'll, I think. we'll try not we'll try not to do that. Um, uh, yeah. All right. Let's launch into the news. Welcome to in the news. All right. So. So I'll do dealer's choice. You guys want to talk about burning invites or coin flip first? Um, let's talk about burning invites first. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, at LVO, the top eight players all had invites already. So the four invites that LVO had were not handed out. Um, yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, uh, that's what the rule said um, was supposed to happen if that happened. And um, so I think that while it's kind of crappy, it's not um, it's it wasn't it wasn't that far fetched. Like there was probably 20 to 40 people there that had invites already. I, I maybe maybe 40 is a little high. There's a lot of people that had invites at LVO. Yeah, but you know, I mean, in theory, that still means like 60 to 70 percent of the field didn't have invites, right? Yeah, and none of those totally. people made top eight. I mean, so I, I think, I think it, it's unavoidable given how we currently have it set up and the fact that LVO is so late in the season. Um, 
I think the tournament structure, and this this is, you know, um, I think tournament structure and competitive legion is pretty poor generally. Is kind of the blunt statement I'm going to open with on that. It's going to come up a couple times today, so I think we might as well just kind of get it out. But I mean, this this is completely avoidable if you cut to like X and one on day two, you know, you, you cut to the top 24 as opposed to the top eight. Every, everybody is there to play Legion anyways. I don't understand why we have a system set up where only eight players are playing on the final day. Um, and everybody else has booked flights and hotel rooms for a sweet event. Um, and just kind of sit around and watch that day. Um, so instead of instead of like a top cut, you would basically just do like eight round Swiss or something to that effect. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no reason there's no reason not to do that. I mean, you know, it, I mean, we we had enough tables to cut to top twenty four, or I mean, we could have cut to the top sixty four for day two, you know, and and we would have and everybody there would have been able to get in, you know, four more games of competitive legion, and um. You know, based on how it shook out, they could have still been competing for invites. You know, um, and and I want to be clear, that's like not on LJ. That's not on like the the people that put this together. It's not on Brendan. Like, um, it's a little bit unprecedented. But I think in the future, like, why not? You know, uh, we've got the tables, we've got the stuff. Um, everybody is there already. Um, it's not like people book their flights out to fly out before the finals because you know most people wanted to win i mean maybe some people did but um i don't know like everybody's already there there's no reason to only have eight people play legion on the last day yeah and essentially the problem in the present structure and this is the ffg mandated structure um is that like there's even if you wanted to hand out like pass out those invites there's no good way to figure out who they would go to when you have two heats and a cut. Right. Right. So right now we've got, we've got a top eight cut. And if everybody's got invites, like do you pass it down to day one, the first heat, or do you pass it down to day two, the second heat? Like who gets where? Like it's just super messy and it it's messy to the point where it's not reasonable to actually come up with a system to do that. Like what happens if only one invite gets, filtered down from the top eight does day one get it or does day two get it and how do you determine right. that like do you flip a coin <laughs> you'd, you'd probably have to make some sort of composite standing but even then like how does that like how are the strengths equal right because you know your day one strength might be more significant than your day two strengths I mean, when you compare the two and you look at the overall you know strength of the field right so you can't really I mean, you can try to, you know, kludge it together by doing a composite of both days and then just comparing strength to schedule. But then again, that's not quite, you know, honest because you don't, you know, you're, you're rating people uh, who didn't play each other would never have had the chance to play each other against each other. Yeah. So it's like, how do you even get to that point? If like you say, only one invite filters down or some odd number of invites filtered down, there's a... a there's no real clean way to distribute them. Yeah. Uh, and I think like the simple answer is just cut to the top 24 instead of the top eight. Yeah. Or whatever the number if, would be if, for three and ones and stuff to make it. Yeah. Like, and, and if, and if at that point you still have invites filtering down, burn them, like whatever, you know, I mean, if you didn't go X and one, 
you probably shouldn't get an invite anyway. Well, like, uh, I, and I'm not, and I'm not saying you don't like deserve on player skill to get an invite, but you didn't that day. Well, right. And, right. Like, I mean, just had a bad tournament. And whatever. at that point yeah. you're talking about, you know, like 20 to 30 people. Like it just seems sort of implausible that all of those people would have invites. Um, right. You, you would essentially have to have a, a top, 30 player cut that all our worlds invite. Yeah. It seems pretty like unlikely. Like yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So something to think about going forward. Um, you know, I think, I think the reality, at least of the Legion tournament scene is that you definitely have uh, cabal is not the right word, but you have a group of players that travel to multiple events. Um, and those players are consistently successful. And, um, you know, you're going to have a situation where, you know, we almost had the situation at Nova, like of the top eight, four people had invites and four people didn't. Um, and just by sheer luck, they all got matched up against people that didn't have invites. And then all the people that didn't have invites won. <laughs> so like no invites were burned at Nova, but it could have easily been the opposite situation. Yeah. Um, and that was actually relatively, that was August. So that was relatively early in the competitive season. So, um, you know, I think this is a reality that we're going to have to face as a Legion community is that like what happens, you know, like in 40K, you have, a group of super competitive players that travel to like every tournament, you know, what happens if we get there with Legion? Um, are there going to be no invites at the, at the majors? Like that doesn't seem great. No, it doesn't. I, I do think to some extent this issue has been compounded this season by the fact that we've essentially had two rounds of store championships to qualify for worlds like that, at least how is how we understand it. Like we're only going to get one set of prime championships per per Adepticon, and this this year we got two for whatever you know they were overhauling the system or whatever. So yep. theoretically, twice as many people have invites than normally will. Right. So like we don't actually know what normal is. Right. Because of this, like so we're in, we're sort of in a a deeper limbo because we don't know what it's going to look like after this kind of double double season or one and a half seasons is over yeah yeah so maybe we'll, we'll, maybe we'll the problem will just take care of itself in in year two i guess we'll see or i guess this would be year three isn't it um yeah yeah year three which is awesome i actually had the realization that legion's almost yeah. two years old the other day i was like wow that's that's really cool yeah. so maybe this problem will fix itself um yeah. but it kind of leads to another issue which maybe we can segue into which is uh coin flip situation so, um, yeah, there was another prime decided by, not, I don't think it was literally a coin flip, it was a dice roll, but um, basically the one player had an invite, one player didn't, and, uh, you know, they rolled the dice to see who got first place on paper. Um, what do you guys think? You want to go first, David? Uh, yeah, I, I dislike it. I know why they did it. Right, because you know, like if the stakes are low, then it encourages this kind of behavior where people don't really take it seriously and just kind of you know say, "Oh, I'll just flip for it or whatever." But of course, you know, I think we've explored in other podcasts, Kyle, the the issue where you know uh, there's kind of like an ethical quandary you run into where the player who you know, the player doesn't doesn't want to concede because they want the prize or wants the shot at the prizes, so they don't concede when they should instead. 
right? Because it's like you you run into that kind of the ethical issue with the coin flip thing because it's sort of like you don't you want the benefits of of playing the game without playing it, and that creates kind of a, an ethical problem. I think. Yeah, I mean, we 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 already kind of talked about this at length the first time it happened, but like, if you don't want to play, just concede. <laughs> yeah, just. <laughs> So, just leave um, <laughs> like you don't even have to talk I, to your opponent just just tell the to to, to like i just can see like I, I i agree that there is an incentive problem for sure um and uh we can talk about maybe how to fix that but like just procedurally speaking in the current environment we have um i, I wasn't there for either of these conversations where this happened but it seems like the, you know the player with the invite um like didn't or you know both players weren't super excited about playing um but neither of them wanted to concede and i, I think that like i don't know I... so i wasn't here when you guys okay about this last yeah go ahead because this this actually happened to you right sort of i mean you didn't I end mean, up flipping so... a coin but you were in you were in this situation at the yeah, yeah. so at the, at the huzza prime i'm i made the top two cut um i had an invite um tim lance my opponent did didn't um i just decided to concede because i didn't want to play the game um it just there was no reason to there like there was literally there was no different in the difference in the prizes essentially as far as i was concerned between first and second place i got what i came for i didn't have an invite on the line he was getting it anyways I was like, it's like nine, nine o'clock, dude. I would really prefer not to be here until midnight and then drive an hour and a half home. You know, uh, if we can go home now, that'd be great. <clears throat> you know, I was just kind of playing for funsies that day. So I conceded. Um, with that being said, I think people are blowing this out of, out of the water. Like, this is silly. I... I think, you know, I mean, I get that they didn't play a game of Legion to determine the outcome, but like, like th- if they want to flip a coin, just, just let them. Like, do whatever. you think we need different floor um, rules? Um, centered around if that's okay or not. Yeah. Um, I mean, so the answer to that I think is maybe. I think in these circumstances, these were perfectly reasonable decisions that these people made in in situations that like one person had to invite one person didn't like frankly the prizes the prize difference between first and second place is like a cardboard box with nothing in it like like (laughs) excuse me one one out of two foam trays sorry i just like i don't know like it's it's not like it was a like a trophy that they gave out for the the rpqs you know like I mean, had there been a trophy on the line, I would have played my game instead of conceding, you know. Um, but I just like there's if if one person already has an invite, there's literally no reason to play that game other than to have fun. Um, and, and like like that's it. It's just like you're you're playing out a game, and the outcome literally does not matter other than oh man, hey, I took first and you took second. And if you care about that, great. But like you know. Um, it, it's it's literally just like being able to say I won the store championship at my store, and and if that doesn't matter to you, I don't think that you should be forced into having to deal with that. the The decisions that are relevant have already are like the the outcomes that are relevant have already been determined. So why are people getting 
all up in arms about this. It, I think it's silly. Yeah, I mean, I think that store champion title does matter to some people. Um, you know, it's kind of like local champion. But just that aside, I do agree that as far as the actual swag is concerned, um, they need something like separate and distinct for first besides the invite that's good. Now, don't get me wrong. I actually think the prime prize support is pretty good. Like those Vader and Luke cards are sweet. Um, oh, I, they were actually when I, when they dealt them out, I was like, oh, these are like not actual cardboard. They were more like the um, what what do you call like them? the acrylic? Like the, yeah, yeah they, they weren't Spot, white that way, but they were like, yeah, they're really nice. Yeah. They're they're beautiful. Um, yeah, and, and like that's why I went to the prime. I just wanted to pick up you know my full command you know so that I can play with my Vader with a fully decked out you know. Um, set of alt command cards that are promotional, <clears throat> but but yeah. you don't need to get first to uh, get those, you know. Yeah, no, which which is you fine. Know, I mean, we ended up having, but... yeah, we had nineteen people come to the prime. You know, the t- I think the top sixteen got them. So like, I don't know. I could have dropped after round two. And <laughs> fine with I mean, you, you know, um, I'm I'm not going to do that because I don't want to. <laughs> screw up people's strength and schedule, which I imagine we'll get to later. Um, yeah, just be honest. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think this whole thing's sort of silly. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, just hand out sparkle dice for first. Like, people would play yeah, for that. Right. I'd play yeah. for that. You know, and and that stuff. Uh, if X Wing and Armada is any good um, indication to go by, like people will pay money for those dice, man. Like if you don't want them, somebody does, and somebody's willing to spend at least three figures on a set. Somebody out there, like people sell sets of those for like two hundred, three hundred dollars, um, for the other game systems. So, you know, maybe maybe they won't for a prime championship one. You know, I think a lot of the ones I see are like you know, Gen Con Nova dice or whatever that get handed out for their. I don't know what X Wing calls them these days. They're like hyperspace trials or something. Yeah, I don't know the modern the hyperspace. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Jay's nodding. Um, yeah, yeah. Just hand out sparkle dice. I mean, yeah, maybe those are a pain to make. People have been stores have, have been having a hard time getting those red red dice kits. <laughs> yeah, and those white. Dice it's weird because I like there are random ones on eBay from stores stores in like Alaska and stuff. But then the big game stores here in mainland United States don't even get any. Um, it kind of sounds like yeah. they just started filling alphabetically of, and then they ran out or something. <laughs> maybe. Like, I haven't heard of anyone in, in the Bay Area, California, with that yeah. kit. Like, zero stores. Yeah, I mean, we've got locally. three or four stores around here, and I don't think I've, I've seen them yet. So. Yeah. Um, Not, neither the red dice kit nor the white dice kit. Yeah. Just nowhere. It's unfortunate. Um, so. I'm excited to see the world's prizes. Maybe we'll get some sparkle dice at, at Adepticon. God, I, I'm excited to see those too. I'm like waiting for this preview article with like bated breath to see what they're coming out with because you know, the prize support has been pretty good. It has been outside yeah. of you know the prime championship first place. Prize. Yeah, right. Besides that, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been it's been good. Uh, you want to talk about tie breaks and cuts? Sure. So we can talk about tie yeah. breaks. And All right. It. So let's frame this discussion briefly. Um, the 
the tournament regulations have a advanced tournament structure in there and the prime kit uh, for store owners basically says that you are required to follow the advanced structure laid out in the tournament doc which basically says that if you have 9 to 24 players you play 3 rounds of Swiss and then do a top 2 cut if you have 25 to 44 players you play 4 rounds of Swiss and then do a top 2 cut so both of these situations if you have a certain number of players essentially mandate cutting someone or multiple someones that are undefeated. Boo. We <laughs> well, don't like that. Here, so we'll, we'll talk about tie breaks in a second. My big problem with this is that like, and we talked about this a little bit with Brendan a couple weeks ago, if stores want to deviate from this and they just want to unilaterally say like, no, we're going to do enough rounds to make sure that we're not cutting anyone that's undefeated. Um, it kind of seems like they're not allowed to. Yeah, somebody said one of the stores got, like, I guess, talked to because they went and did that, essentially. Uh, yes. <laughs> that's, that's what I heard. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know if they oh got, like, gosh. in trouble like, in any problems, official way. With all but... the problems OP's having, that's what they spend their resources well, it, on? I, what I want to really? know is how they even, like figured out about it i mean i guess you have got to report the results and they're like oh this round went one round too many but that seems like an odd thing for them to be catching at this stage of the game. i mean someone told on whoever was well I don't, I don't so i, I mean that's i want to clarify i don't know uh who they got in trouble with or whether it was anything official or if they just got to talking to i have no idea i don't want to like speculate too far on that train because i don't have all the information um, sure. Unbelievable. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. suffice to say, it seems clear, at least from the, the the official documents we have, that if a store wanted to do like five rounds, um, so they could avoid cutting people that were undefeated, like they wouldn't, at least officially, be allowed to. Um, that seems like a problem to me. I, I don't know. I, so um, I did not watch the AMA. You watched the the AMA and did a a recap of this, David. Do you want to talk about briefly what was said? Um, well, well, basically the good news is that Alex Watkins said to Evan, the marketing dude who was interviewing him, that, uh, SOS is being looked at. That is alternatives to SOS are being looked at. He did not give any further information. Um, but it's pretty clear that SOS is a tiebreaker, uh, is, you know, not, not satisfying and has the obvious problems that we're talking about, which is telling one person who went three and oh at an event, you know, sorry, you're, you know, you're screwed because your strength schedule is too low, um, is really dissatisfactory. It's just terrible. And so they're, they're looking at a new solution. We don't know what it is. Um, but that's basically all he said, um, apart from just, uh, Oh, sorry. One of the other thing he said was uh, when someone asked the question about undefeateds um, being dropped from the cut. Um, basically, it was one of those things where it was like that decision was made without me. So um, I don't remember the exact words, but you can look it up. It's it's there's a clip of him talking about it. Um, just Alex Watkins AMA, and I think it's still on the Yavin based Facebook page. 
Um, but basically he just said, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't there for that decision. And, um, we're looking at alternatives, which is kind of nice. So here's my question for discussion, because I assume one of those, sure, you know, one of the floated alternatives by the community, at least is MOV, which stands for margin of victory, whether that's yes. victory points or kill points or some combination, um, is the problem that strength of schedule is bad or that cutting players based on a tiebreak system and not on their record is bad. So I, I fundamentally think that people are talking about two, like they're talking about one issue when they talk about strength of schedule that isn't really got anything to do with strength of schedule. The issue here is that they are cutting undefeated players, period. Regardless of what tiebreaker you use in the current system, that's going to happen no matter what. You can use margin of victory. You can use whoever's grandma is the oldest. You can use, you know, like, like it doesn't, it literally doesn't matter what tiebreaker you use. It can be as arbitrary as anything. Undefeateds are still going to get cut regardless of what the tiebreaker is. So I think when we're talking um, about this issue, I, th I think it's really two separate things. Like, we've got a tournament formatting problem and then we've got SOS. And I actually think that if we didn't have the tournament formatting problem, people wouldn't be talking about SOS. Um, and I think that's an important kind of thing to talk about because SOS is actually one of the more fair ways to decide tiebreakers in a competitive environment um, because it, it measures how difficult your day was in comparison to someone else. And someone that had a more difficult day and went undefeated should probably be ranked higher than someone who had went undefeated and had a less difficult day. Um, I don't know. Uh, so, so I think that fundamentally when people are talking about SOS, what they're really talking about is why are undefeateds getting cut from tournaments? And I think, think that's a very different conversation but it's getting kind of morphed into this sos is the big boogeyman in the room problem right i agree with you completely mike if undefeateds weren't getting cut people probably wouldn't be talking about this as much um i think people still had a gripe with sos and this was a nice avenue for you know to latch on to and say well look look, look at what sos did it caused this undefeated person to get cut. And it's like, well, actually that's the structure. That's not SOS. Um, now, like I can say, you know, yeah, SOS is kind of a lottery, right? I just, you just have to cross your fingers in the first couple rounds and hope that the people you get matched with are, you know, going to have a winning record and then maybe that'll boost your strength of schedule. But if you go undefeated, right. it doesn't matter. Right. So uh, you know, if, that's the if, thing, <laughs> but actually, but this time yeah, it does I mean, matter <laughs> because now when you go, Undefeated, you have to both go undefeated totally. and win the lottery, totally. and, and that's which sucks. That's this crazy situation we're in, where <laughs> we've got a a tiebreaker system that really is mostly fine, but its faults are kind of being um, augmented and kind of stressed by the fact that we really have a tournament system or a tournament format that is completely broken and doesn't work. I mean, I'm saying yep. completely broken is probably a little bit of a stretch. Like it clearly is working to some degree, but like, it's not, it's not good. 
Yeah, it has a yeah. severe flaw, which is dropping undefeated. Well, and I think, you know, um, David, you brought up like the lottery. I feel like there's so the discussion around MOV versus SOS, if we're just evaluating those two things and sort of ignoring the fact right now that undefeateds are getting cut, which I think we can all agree it's a totally separate problem. Sure. Yeah. Um, there's this discussion point that like, well, with MOV, at least you have control over your own destiny. What do you guys think of that? Um, I think that's like a cop out. So what I, what I think is that MOV is essentially SOS. It's just backwards. So I'm going to, I had a great conversation with my buddy, John Brader about this today. I love you, buddy. We had a great talk. Um, and I posed this question because because he was like we should we should go to MOV it's better than SOS and and I said okay so let's let's envision this situation so let's say we're playing MOV and uh and and Kyle you play Joe Schmo that's never played Legion before and round one and I play Luke Cook and I have I've played Luke Cook he's pretty good uh, <laughs> really yeah um and so if we're playing MOV. Chances are, let, let's assume for a second that we we both win our games. Chances are, you you playing the guy that's never played Legion before, you're gonna crush him in MOV. You're likely gonna table him. And this is this is the case whether we're talking about a victory point based MOV or a kill point based MOV. Yeah, yeah. Re- regardless of of the MOV, like it is it is likely you just slam dunk him and and get full points, right? And me playing Luke Cook, we're battling it out, and I win by the skin of my teeth because that's like, it's likely to be a close game. So you end up having better breakers than I do in that situation. And I think the, the question that we need to ask ourselves is, is that okay? Like, does that make sense? And I think that the answer to that is no, it doesn't make sense. If you have a game that you win on a, on a you know a complete avalanche like butt whooping because you got paired up against somebody that doesn't know how to play the game and I got a victory against somebody that's like a top tier player like the the more competitive game should be ranked high the winner of the more competitive game should be ranked higher when we're talking about tiebreakers and I think this is where SOS really kind of shines because SOS is able to illustrate that very well it's likely that Luke Cook goes on and wins all of his matches, making my SOS very good. And it's also likely that Joe Schmo, that's never played Legion before, loses all of his matches, making your tiebreaker is not as good. Um, and so I think that when we're talking about MOV, it actually does the opposite of what we're trying to accomplish in a tiebreaker system, and then it kind of flips or inverts um who should be ranked higher essentially what you're saying is that the control that you have over your own destiny with respect to mov is basically an illusion and it's still at the mercy of the pairings just like sos is yeah i mean like you're randomly going to get luke cook or joe schmone regardless of what thing we're using if we're using mov you're you know you're still rolling dice on a landslide or a close game you know um is SOS, is it that much different than SOS? I don't think so, A. And B, I think that it not only is it not very different in that it's just as random, it's it 
it shows who should be high, who it, it puts people higher that should not be. What do you, what do you think of the fact that, um, it changes essentially, it t- changes the incentives, uh, on the table as to how you play the game? Um, I think I was just about Go, to mention take, something take like it, that because what you're saying I, is now you're yeah. now you're incentiv- now you're incentivized to play less. You're incentivized to play um, either units that are, you know, very low cost, and so don't bleed MOV. If you if we're using kill points for right. MOV instead of victory points, yeah. If we're using kill point based MOV, right now suddenly uh, now suddenly you're incentivized to take you know a bunch of cheap units. I'm looking <laughs> at you, Rebels. <laughs> um, it actually makes things really favorable for the twelve activation yeah. style rubble list. Can you imagine half points on R two D two? It's like seventeen a movie <laughs> out of eight hundred. <laughs> like, do we do we really want to go into that world? I mean, but I, I mean, I, I hated that about X Wing too. Like that was like like having to build my lists around the fact that I'm going to be giving up half points or not was just a, a big issue for me. And um, I'd rather like have a, a list building environment where I can build my lists solely focusing on how best to accomplish my objectives or how best to win a game in totality, as opposed to okay, how can I, you know, what what is my out if things go terrible? Like for example, an infinitely regenerating ship was something you could do in X Wing, and then you know, oh, I lost my engagement, so I'm now I'm going to run for, you know, thirty <laughs> minutes. <laughs> And just use my infinitely regenerating ship to get my get my MOV on or whatever and survive till the end. Um, so I mean, I'd rather I'd rather play a game where that wasn't the case, where I could focus solely on building a well composed army and play the. Objective, well, what do you think about a you know? MOV that's based on objective points and not on kill points? Oh, that's interesting too, right? Because that means that some objectives technically reward more points than others, right? So you have the intercept the transmissions, you know, where you're trying to win as hard as possible there, right? Because you would assume the intercept gives more MOV than say key positions. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, I, I've heard a, a couple different variations on the the objective point um, MOV model. Um, you know, I I think that uh, fundamentally whatever tiebreaker system we use is, is kind of whatever, like we can use, we can use anything we want that makes sense. And and I think MOV can make sense if you want it to, but I think what we need to decide is, you know, if, if we're using an MOV system, whether it's kill point or an objective system is that it's, it's going to change the competitive game. Like there's going to be a marked difference on, on, on lists, people play and how people play their lists for so if we're talking about kill points we're going to be we're going to be seeing people seeing people take lists that are probably more hardy or are going for straight tablings um if if we talk about an objective based list we're going to be seeing people uh tweak their battle decks for the cards that reward the most victory points or proportional victory points if that's how you want to do it um so that they get those objectives more so that they can kind of game the system that way you know um it completely you know uh, an objective point victory system completely changes sabotage the moisture evaporators because 
if if you're doing it, you know, you, you never you're you generally I shouldn't say never generally a sabotage game goes for four and goes to kill points um, for to see who wins the game. And if all of a sudden you're skewing it so that you need to be up on victory points over your opponent during the game to make sure that you have a, a good margin of victory tiebreaker in the tournament, sabotage is not a, a, an objective you ever want to play. Um, you know, so all of a sudden we're talking about a situation where people are going to be cutting objective cards to fit the tournament structure as opposed to what cards are best for me to win the game. And as a community, if we decide that's okay, fine. But I think that we need to acknowledge that that we will be playing a different game at that point. It will still be Legion, but it will be a different game. It is not going to be the incarnation that we have now. These are all great arguments for strength of schedule. I know. <laughs> because strength of schedule's biggest plus is that you right. don't interact with it yes. as um, a player. Yeah, I think that's a benefit instead of a drawback to strength of schedule. Yeah, it's actually a benefit in a lot of yeah, ways. It's very so, interesting. I mean, where I land on all of this is that like I hear people crying about strength of schedule and I'm like, look, man, like I don't like I'm not sure you've lived in the alternative world yet. You know, like like I, I don't I don't know if you like if we if when we go there you're gonna be more happy than you are now. Um, you know, and I think that that's something to really consider. There are significant ramifications to all of these alternative options to tiebreakers. Um, and you know, they may be good, they may be bad. you know, it I, that's not for me to say and, and I don't think that's for us to say generally, but like, um, I, they will change the game. Yeah, and in particular, like, you know, just you guys know my playstyle is very conservative, right? Like, I, I have a little bit of a personal beef with MOV just because it would change, it would disincentivize that sort of playstyle, right? Because right now it's valid in Legion to basically assess like exactly what you need to do to win and then not do more than that. Um, yeah, I mean, like a lot of games. Uh, and, and frankly, I think it's what makes the game good is that a lot of it is balancing a game on the kind of the edge of a knife a little bit in that like you're playing Sabotage the Moisture Evaporators. The first person that blinks and screws up generally loses. Um, yep. That's that's fun. I yeah. find that very fun. I know a lot of people that hate it. I've, I've had some you know? of my most fun games on Sabotage. Yeah. Um, but, but I think the large majority of the community um, and I... I don't want to speak for all of you, but that's what I've, you know, the general consensus that I've heard is people do not like playing Sabotage um, because it's air quotes on fun. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I don't know uh, if, if we change how tiebreakers are determined, that has a significant input impact on that objective. And that takes away some of the fun that Kyle has, and it might give some of the fun to Joe Schmo, you know, like, um, and and that's okay, but um, the, there are a lot of ramifications for changes like this. Yeah, yeah. I'll just borrow a phrase from from uh, gambling called risk of ruin. And it, evaporators is one of those objectives where risk of ruin is really high if you engage. And um, I just think that disincentivizes play. You know, um, although you might say, oh well, you know, 
turtling and refusing to engage is a form of play. And I'm just like, well, okay, whatever, man. Like, um, I just, I just hate stuff like that. You know, I have a running joke with some of my friends. Um, you know, why back when I used to play X-Wing, it's like, you know, you think I'm here to play the game, <laughs> right? I'm actually here to just, you know, do whatever abusive meta crap I need to do to get a, a four Oh and walk out of the door here with a, with a prize. Yeah. Like I hate that stuff. Like, like we don't want the game to be right. That, so the question is real. like, if, if yeah, it's not clever. if we go to an MOV system, like, do we really want everybody's armies tooled up so that they just table your opponent? You know, um, it would, it would be <laughs> action packed. It'd probably look good on camera. It'd probably be great, great to stream every match, you know? Um, yeah, what do they do to those baseballs that make them, you know, it, make them hit more home runs? <laughs> Kind of like that. <laughs> MLB's, MLB's yeah, not telling. Their lips are sealed. So, I mean, I, I don't find that super interesting. I prefer games that are more like chess, where you know you're outmaneuvering your opponent, and and games are decided by impactful small decisions, um, as fair, opposed to dice fair. rolls. Um, you know, and and I think that when we talk about uh, tiebreakers that are based on kind of snowbally games because because frankly that's what we're talking about when we're talking about mov right like if you have a high tiebreaker on mov you needed to snowball a game or two right you needed to absolutely pummel your opponent into the ground whether it's on objectives or on kill points and the game needed to yep. not be close i need a few hundred o's right? yeah to so boost in- my mov and those those games yeah, are boring in my opinion right yeah. we're incentivizing non-close games with MOV tiebreakers. Is that something we want or do we want to incentivize games that are, you know, more close? And and I'm not saying there aren't games that aren't close now because there certainly are. Um, but I think that we would have more of them if we went to a system like that. Yep, very possible. All right. Um, well, you guys have got any more thoughts on this? We should uh, talk about some actual Legion units. Legion units? Yeah. Are you saying that things made it here from China? Uh, yeah, they did. In fact, um, we got a huge, Whoa! we got a huge jump. We did. All right, so let's talk some tactics with these new units. Get ready for advanced tactics. Uh, so we got a ton of crap on Friday. Um, we got four upgrade expansions for the the basic core units of each of the four factions. I love that we can say that now. By the way, each of the four factions. Um. And uh, we also got Operative Luke and Vader and the Crashed Escape Pod and also the Imperial Bunker, which is not super relevant uh, to competitive play, but um, all that stuff dropped at once. So we're going to talk today about the upgrade packs. Uh, We've kind of done some hot takes on these a little bit previously, previous episodes, um, but let's talk about them in more detail. Um, do we just want to talk about the ones that we think are going to be useful and impactful, or do we want to talk about all of them? Well, I think we can... So, I think the short answer is yes. <laughs> I know that doesn't answer your question. Uh, I, so, not the Rebel Trooper. No. <laughs> well, I want to... So, um, I, think, I think we just want to focus on the ones that are going to be super impactful, but in so doing, we're also going to be making a judgment call on the other things that are in those packs, right? Sure. So let's I can get behind. Yeah, so let's talk about the Empire one first. Um what is what is the least interesting thing in this pack? The thing that you're probably almost never taking. 
the least interesting thing in this pack is probably in in my humble opinion the stormtrooper specialist okay um and that is the gain a gear slot free action gain one aim token or one search token um i think i actually think this guy is a little bit interesting I didn't say he wasn't interesting. You asked what the least okay. interesting thing. That's true. Well, the Empire was, Pack is. That was I think idea. the Empire Pack is the best one. Um, yes. As far as like all four things actually being decent. Well, I take that back. I think, I think the Republic Pack is probably the best. And David, I think you echoed your thoughts on that as well. Um, just because uh, the Republic doesn't have options like officers and and medbots and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think the the Republic pack adds a little bit more, but yes, the Empire pack is <laughs> loaded with fun stuff. All right, so why don't we just talk about all four of these things then? Since uh, I think they're all actually competitively relevant. Um, mm-hmm. So the specialist, I think the gear slot is whatever. I don't know what you'd do with two gear slots on a stormtrooper unit. Um, you're not even usually filling one, so. <laughs> I mean, I could see a case for like. Recon Intel scopes, maybe. yeah. Especially if you're getting a free aim token, right? Right. So uh, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad thing to have an extra slot. Um, no. Uh, but the, um, the free aim on on exhaust is pretty darn interesting. So this guy costs how much does this dude cost? Costs fifteen. So another way to think about that is an extra stormtrooper body plus four points, which is the same cost as offensive push, which is a training upgrade that gives you a frame when you move. It is. Um, yeah. So I actually, you don't have to right. move. That's correct. Um, so I, I actually think that the, the captain kind of invalidates this card. Okay. Why do you say that? Um, so the, the captain gives you a training slot and allows you to um, n- not be suppressed during your activation. How much How much does um, he cost? He also costs okay. 15. Um, and, and I think that he really costs 19, because I think you take him with offensive push. So I guess maybe that's an argument for, um, for the specialist, if you don't care about the suppression ignoring mechanic. But Yeah, I just feel like for an extra four points you get the that mechanic too like that's really good like on turn six when you need to score your objective that mechanic is real good yeah and it's also you know if you're if you're using either of these upgrades there's a good chance you're using them with veers because you can refresh them with imperial discipline um yeah and with the captain you get a double refresh right because you can refresh the captain's ability the suppressive ignoring and then you can also separately refresh offensive push so you're kind of killing two birds with one stone there. I could see that. Yeah, I expect to see, like, if you're going to run one of these personnel in a Veers list, you're probably taking the captain. Um, if you don't care about the suppression ability, like if you've got a Krennic list, um, maybe the specialist makes a bit more sense. Uh, but I generally think the captain is better. Um, you know, if, if somebody said four points... Like, like if you've already got a sixth dude in your squad and you're getting a free ta- aim token, if you could pay four points to ignore suppression for a turn, would you do it? And I think the answer is yes. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's So it's notable that the, the captain does not let you ignore panic. 
It just lets you not be suppressed. Um, Correct. So you can still be panicked with a captain. It's an important, you know, it doesn't let you ignore all your suppression tokens. It just means that uh, it basically turns you into a droid trooper for a turn. Yep. Um, yep. Um, it's also notable that it gives you like core units that can have Overwatch, um, which is really good with deploy the garrison. <laughs> yes, it is. Although you can do that with Shores yeah. now anyway, because they have a training slot natively. Totally, but now you can do it with Storms, which are cheaper. That's... Although I guess they're not that much cheaper if you've got the Yeah, because if you've got the Captain, uh, and you say you're taking an RTC-97, uh, which um, we'll talk about in a second because it's awesome, uh, <laughs> That's that runs you, what, 85? So that's actually more than yeah, Shores. No, it's... Yeah, and that's before offensive yeah, pressure. Or right. watch, you know? No, that's six dudes instead of five. Um, yeah. But you also don't have a T21B, which is still better than the RTC-97. <laughs> uh, it, it might be better, but not by much. Um, uh, we can debate that. But we can. All right, let's talk about the RT-97C. All right, let's do it. This is my new favorite gun. Yeah, so it's it's one red, three white, range four. Uh it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, Another four dice gun at range four. Color me shocked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's great. You take an aim token with that sucker. Mm. Try like three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, try like good. three aims because you have veers and your uh, your specialist or whatever. And then you aim. Yeah, I mean this is so. This is like the Imperial Z six. I, I, Basically, just to be yeah, it's, except it's, it's range, range four. four. Except it's range <laughs> four. Yeah, yeah. like. I, I had a game against Thomas uh, yesterday. Um, I had, was running two RTs, and I got into range three, and I, I got like two aim tokens on both of them, and I rolled eight of nine hits. <laughs> and, I, and, and both of them were into Dooku. And Oof, news, news flash, Dooku died. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it didn't seem that unreasonable. Like, I think it was above average, but I don't think it was that above average. Um, and maybe you can sim that out, Kyle, and, and figure that out. But um, Yeah, so I can give you some stats. I don't have the aim stats in front of me. But, like, okay. Um, so, actually, let's talk real quick, because it's going to be relevant on all these weapons, how to do, like, quick math in your head with dice pools. Yep. Um, so the, the fastest way to calculate average hits is to basically add up all the die facings and then divide by eight. So, for example, um, the DLT is super easy because it's two red dice. It's surging red dice, which means that you get a positive result on seven of those eight facings, right? So you you got two dice, you take seven times two is 14, you divide 14 by eight, and that's how many average hits you get. Um, that's what, like uh, 2.75, something like that? I'm uh, sorry, 1.75. Uh, yeah. yeah um, so... Uh, you know, so like if you got 24 out of 8, that's 3 hits on average, right? So the RT-97 is uh, 3.5 hits because it is, what is that? If you're at range 3 and you don't have an extra dude, that's 7 whites and a red. That's 7 whites yep. is 7 times 3 is 21. The red's 7 for 28 divided by 8 is 3.5. Um, yep. So that's like the quick way to do... Um, you know, dice odds in your head. If you have a situation where you don't have surge, but you have critical or a surge token, in other words, like if you're converting one surge instead of all of them, um, 
for an eight dice pool, which is like a pretty normal pool for things with critical, uh, you would basically add uh, like 0.75 for that critical one. So it's not quite a full hit, um, but it's close. And then more critical is diminishing returns. So like critical two is, you know, you're not going to add another 0.75 on top of that. Um, so uh, the RT-97C does hit harder than the DLT. It does not have impact, notably. Um, but, you know, if you're not shooting a vehicle, it's going to be objectively better than a DLT. Uh, both because yep. it has more raw average hits and also because it has two more dice. So your crit chance is higher. It's also worth noting that with precise and a name token, it's much better than a DLT at range four. Like you get a name token and you're taking a range four shot, you're you're in a really good position. Like you'll on average roll a crit, um, just about, and uh, you're pretty likely to get through four. Yeah, shots. it's the difference between you know if you're crit fishing, the DLT is four dice basically, right? Because you can can't reroll those dice more than once with a name token. So that's um. And then the RT-97 is basically seven. So, yeah, it's with a name token, that's what you're talking about being twice as good uh, as a DLT at getting crits at range four. Um, um, I, I do think this is going to essentially re replace the DLT unless armor becomes a big thing. And it could. The Republic tank looks mm -hmm. really good. Um, I think that... Did that it did, yeah. You have an ATSD for that. Or you have a rocket launcher. Yeah. I still think the rocket yeah. launcher is probably going to be fine with the specialist now, because now you're getting the you're getting the two for one again, right? So the double recover. Yeah. So I think I a, can see a it. rocket specialist is not the worst thing ever. You know, I just wish that it either had exhaust Same. or cumbersome. Both is is that's really... pretty punishing. Yeah. Could even do. I mean, a, I get that it wrecks vehicles. You, but... you could even do a rocket captain and give yourself Overwatch, so you can set up. You know, move aim and then or, or move standby or whatever. Yeah, see that. Um, so yeah, RT ninety seven good. It is two two more points than the DLT. So like, if you're trying to shave down some points and you're choosing between DLT and RT ninety seven, um, you know, you might take like a mix in there. But yeah, I think if you're not anticipating vehicles and you've got the two extra points, um, I think this is a clear upgrade over the DLT. Certainly against troopers. Yep. Um, all right. You want to talk about the T21 real quick? Not the T21B, the T21. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Just seems like a worse RT to me. Isn't it the exact same gun as the same? Critical 2 is interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a literal copy of the Rebel Veteran Heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we all know how it's, good that it's, is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I don't know if that has to do necessarily just with the gun, but um, yeah, I think you're right. I, like critical two, you know, it's a dice pool that already surges to hit. So unless you care specifically about the crits, like it's not going to get you any extra paint. Um, it, I don't know. Yeah, it's don't know. It, the fact that it, it's more it, expensive than the RT ninety seven feels weird to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that this weapon, if it was like the cheapest Empire weapon, might be okay. Um, the lack of range four is a really big deal 
frankly, turning your stormtrooper unit into a four-man fleet trooper unit is like fine, I guess. But it's also like seventy-one points. So like, yeah. If 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 you're taking this, it's clear that you're taking it for the crits, which means that you care about. So I think this is possibly relevant in a world where you have armor or like lots of tauntauns, right? Because it can be used to plow through those dodges from Agile with tauntauns and the heavy cover that they probably have from Cohesion. Um, like in a, in a situation where you're straight crit fishing, it's, it's decent to have critical two on a core unit. But at the same time, you can get shores with critical one with a lot more paint generally and free aim tokens for just a few more points, so... Yeah, you know, eleven more points, and you just get a fully loaded shore unit, and then you get to tack on a cheap more, right? You know, and they can also shoot at range four. I don't know. So yeah, right. I think these kind of compete directly with shores, and I think shores yeah. kind of do everything better. I think so too. Um, but it is it is worth noting that um, it's actually of the stormtrooper weapons is actually besides the HS twelve the best one against armor. Like it's better than the DLT against armor with ten white. Um, aren't you average range three and a half crits? At least for the first two, uh, eight white. Oh, it's eight white. It's eight white. It's only. Oh, sorry. It's only yeah, four white. Yeah. <laughs> it feels yeah, like it should like be that, six. Right? Right? <laughs> it's like the rebel vet gun. The joke is that it's just the yeah, worst C six. Um. Uh. All right. Well, let's move on to the rebel ones. Um. Maybe we can. Maybe we can do the rebels. Uh. And then we can talk about the the Clone Wars okay. ones next week. Um. So I like to think of this as the DLT <laughs> 20 expansion. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. Uh, I'll try this again. So the shotgun looks fun. Yeah, I actually, I actually think both weapons are more interesting than the specialists. Um, the the the, the dodge token guy, the, like the specialist. Yeah. Yeah. If this was an aim token, it would be so much more interesting. Like you can't seriously, you can't give rebels a way to get aim tokens. Like it's it's another dodge token. (laughs) I mean, so I think that there's, I I feel your pain, (laughs) but I do think that being able to get a free dodge token on a nimble unit is pretty good. You know, I you know I I don't know. Not having to spend an action to get a dodge is a big deal. I mean, it's better than having like, to spend an action to get a dodge. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying you always want it, and clearly you just don't want your Rebel Trooper right. to shot at all. Um, like, I'd rather just I'd rather just move behind a line of sight blocker than... I don't know. I mean, it's free. It's Free dodge is better than, like, not a free dodge. But I, I don't know. I can't see paying the points for this guy. <laughs> what about the surge token on offense? Uh, I mean, that's some. Uh, it's pretty niche. Surge though, tokens right? are just like objectively worse than aims most of the time. If you're talking about offensive, output. that's fair. But uh, what if you so could, what if you could aim and that. get a surge? Okay. I want to disagree with this fundamentally. Okay. I think that a surge token is very close to an aim token on a Z6 unit. Yes, on a Z6 specifically. It's very close to an aim. You're right. Like, like it's it's not that no. different. Like an aim token on a Z6 unit at best is equal to one hit generally on average. Like, and that assumes you're rerolling black dice. If you're really rerolling white dice, it's terrible. And you've got ten dice. Chances are you've got a surge in there. Yeah, a surge token is worth an extra hit 
on average. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, aim uh, token has a higher ceiling because you can you can get two hits out of an aim token. You can't get two hits out of a surge token. Um, you can also get crits out of the aim token. Yeah. Right. Right. So like. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyways. I don't see paying for this guy. <laughs> Underwhelming. Um, but you know it is. So let's talk real briefly about the SX twenty one. Um, I actually think this is kind of interesting insofar as like it's cheap. You know, it's the cheapest Rebel Trooper upgrade. Oh my god, um, it's a non-exhaust impact weapon for Rebels. Yeah, now it's only range two, which is not great. Yeah, because uh, range two is really short these days. But that's what the captain's for. Well, and and the dice are really strong. Like it's yeah, it's, it's two reds, red. two whites. <laughs> it's two. It's not just reds. It's, it's, it's two two. It's Chewbacca's dice pool in a yeah, shotgun. Um, so you're talking about legit, like four man. blacks, two reds, and two whites. That's a legit, yeah, hard hitting. That's dice a legit pool. gun. I mean, frankly, that's better than a DT. Pool. Right. It's yeah, it's yeah. one. Well, they don't surge, so it's about the same. Sure. I mean, but but it's also yeah, it's half the cost. Yeah, yeah, it's dope. Yeah, like for the cost, it's great. <laughs> um, and unlike fleets, you know, they can still they're rebel troopers, so they can still use their like normal guns and throw five black dice at range three, right? Which isn't terrible. Um, so yeah, I could see like if you're tight on points and you want to take a rebel heavy and you don't have enough for a Z six or a DLT, I could see, I could see throwing like one of these in there. It's twenty points you're not spending on. Tom. Well. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna we're gonna get to that in a minute, because I think I think the DLT twenty is actually super interesting and good, but it's also twenty six points that you're not spending on Tauntaun. No, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Called the Athorian model is clearly too tall, therefore he is useless. <laughs> well, you don't have to give the shotgun to the Athorian. That's also true. You know, is he actually significantly taller than the other? Yeah, ones? yeah, he's a bit he's a bit tall. Yeah. He's a tall boy. Ooh, man, that sounds like an easy scope target. Yeah, he can be. <laughs> yeah, if there's one guy you don't want to be taller than everyone else, it's the guy it's carrying the heavy the weapon. The heavy weapon. <laughs> <laughs> They're all kind of tall, except for the DLT gunner. Yeah, the DLT gunner's kneeling. Um, that's the model I'm using. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, speaking of the DLT, um, it. It's pretty good. It's uh, I mean, it's it's one white dice less than a T twenty one B, basically, but it's otherwise like the same. You know, even the base pool is the same, um, because you got black dice on the rebel troopers. Now it doesn't. Obviously, um, they don't get free aims because they don't have target, but they're also what eighteen points cheaper than a shore unit. You know, they, they don't have red dice either. They got white dice saves, so they melt pretty quickly. Um, Man, you can't have it. No, all. I know. I'm saying that the DLT twenty is actually pretty good. Okay. I just thought you thought you were gonna get a short no. Oh, we don't have it all. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have Tom, Tom. we don't have three aim tokens and scopes. And no, you just got surging reds. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're not we're not talking about tauntauns today. Um. <laughs> uh, no, we're talking about short troopers. So I think this thing is pretty good. I um, if we're talking about like a like a world where um. You know, you're not facing Tauntauns and Mirrors or Shore Troopers and Empire matchups. I think this is like a very decent alternative to the Z6. Well, so, so I guess never. that's kind of my point. Uh, I think this gun is. I think this gun is really good. Here, let's talk about the stats <laughs> real quick. So, um, 
A Z6 at range three yeah, on average yeah, yeah. will net you three and a half hits. Uh, this thing will net you 3.86 on average. Okay. So that's like a third of a hit more. It's decent. It's also got a much higher floor because you're counting surges and there's black dice on it. So you're much less likely to just completely whiff like you would with a Z6. Um, you're also not going to get the crazy spikes like you can with a Z6. So, I mean, it's a commando unit without sharpshooter. Like a full commando with a sniper unit without sharpshooter and pierce. Right. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's decent, and you can shoot. Obviously, you can shoot that DLT at range four, so that's something that Rebel Core units have not been able to do up until this point. Um, so yeah, I think it's pretty good. That said, um, uh, (laughs) I think I think if you're up against the shoreline, they still die really fast, and if you're up against Tauntauns, they still die really fast. So, uh, I don't know. I think if we're talking if we're talking about like a world sort of in what Legion was before those two Unix existed, I think this is like a really interesting and good choice. Um, and I think it would be if those two units got just like deleted from the game, but um, that's not the world we're in right now. <laughs> so. No, it's not, sadly. Yeah, so I think you're probably still uh, in like a super competitive Rebel list. You're probably still just taking naked Rebel Troopers. But I'll be honest, I am... Um, legit considering taking basically what my invader league list was which was jedi 800 points of jedi luke um and swapping out the dlts for z6 or the z6s for dlts and seeing if that's any better i I, I don't think it's going to be good enough but we'll see i'm just happy that like there's a gun that i can use an aim action on and feel like semi-confident that my dice will actually change yeah because you're not real rolling white dice for the most part. Exactly. And not like also I'm not rerolling whites without surge. Yep. You know? Yeah. I mean critical one is I think fundamentally what makes Oh yeah, it no question. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mini it's a mini T twenty one B. It's a crappy T twenty one B, which is to say that it's good. Well, I mean Rebels <laughs> yeah, never yeah, right. Rebels never yeah, fought a symmetrical conflict. So. No, and um you know, these guys are better than a Z six without a name token too, so like yeah so so there's that but, so here's here's the question fundamentally i know that people have been down on aggressive tactics and rebel lists do we think it's possible that with this gun aggressive tactics is more of a thing in rebel lists i i know clearly imperials like short troopers get to use it on offense and defense but generally speaking it's really good on offense yeah, I mean, I think the problem with aggressive tactics in a rebel list is not that, um, like, Z six is actually love search tokens uh, more so even than this thing does. Um, it's more that like in a rebel list, you're not usually giving orders to your core units, and you usually can't afford to do that because you don't have things like entourage that give extra orders, you know, for free to your focus pieces. Um, Right, the core units aren't aren't the aren't the focus really in Rebel right. Lists. Like, if, and and they are they're very much are in the Imperialists. right. They very much can be in the Imperialists, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's more that than just like whether or not they benefit from a surge token. I have a- so maybe the question is: Can is does does a unit? I guess my fundamental question here is: Does the DLT twenty A present a list archetype where the rebels are allowed to focus on their core units uh 
I don't think so, but I also think that's okay. Like, you know, the list I talked about a minute ago would be Jedi Luke, a rebel officer, you know, some snipers and a bunch of DLT 20s. And in that list, obviously, Luke is the focus, not the DLT 20s. But that, I think that's fine, right? Like, they don't have, they don't have an auto order ability like target anyway. So it's not like you're, like, you're just using them like upgraded Z6s, basically, which I think is fine in a list archetype like that. So run snipers, RTs, and these cores, right? Yeah. Run an officer with strict or Leia with strict. And or Luke. Play covering, play covering fire on the engagement turn. <laughs> I think covering fire on turn one with the, with DLTs is actually probably pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. With AT, yeah. I mean, it's, it is it is worth yeah. sort of exploring, like, insofar as range four shots is not something that Rebel Troopers have been able to do before. So, yeah, that's true. No, and it's not like they have to take the dodge action with covering fire to spit out dodge. Right, weapons. correct. So, have, it's just free. Right, you just aim attack you know? and then you pass it. Yep. Right. You know, or, or move attack. Yeah, or move attack and pass, and pass it. it. You know? and, and, and you've got a bunch of these souped up units that want dodge tokens anyways because they have nimble. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I could see it. Thought. I'm not sure it's actually good. Yeah, it's worth playing around with a little bit. You could also run a veteran with a Mark II with Relay. Yeah. You could do that as well. Just to make Just sure to that get you get an extra order pass. Yeah. Yeah, because if you're you're probably still running some other thing that's not a core unit that you want orders on for cover yeah. fire. Yeah, the issue is that it that really doesn't increase the number of targets that you get AT on because the vets surge both ways. Right, but the coordinated relayed order gives you a fourth token. Right. But what I'm saying is that the vet token doesn't need Correct. a surge token because it can't Correct. spend it. So you might as well have just given that order to whatever you relay. Well, yeah, that's why you run the uplink. <laughs> yeah. Or unless that thing is not a core unit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is usually yeah. what it what I've been using my veteran relays for. Yeah. But most of those things surge both ways anyway. So. Yeah. So it's like whatever. Yeah. Rebels and surging always. <laughs> so overpowered. Um, I got to run RTs and Chewbacca, man. Just don't only get surges <laughs> on them for defense. I actually think if there was a reliable way, like if, if there was something with Entourage Chewy and you could give him yeah. surge tokens on defense, um, oh, having, he would be so legit. Having run Palp IRG with aggressive tactics, I can say that uh, Guardian units with good saves or not terrible saves are really good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Actually, I think that that would be a really cool like ability for like an operative Han entourage Chewy. Yeah, just give it to him. Yeah, just give like, it to him. Commander, that would that would make Commander Han completely. Playable, I totally agree. I think. Yeah. If if he yep. had that entourage ability. Chewbacca, totally. Yep. Like takes takes him from a very subpar commander to in the mix. Yep. I think yep. Agreed. All right. Sorry, that was kind of a rant about the DLT twenty. Um, that's I know. I, I actually really like it. I um, I got to play around with it a little bit because it's on my it's on my at this point relatively short list of list archetypes for Adepticon. Is some kind of Jedi Luke DLT twenty situation. So, um, yeah, I got to mess around with Why it. Aren't smoke grenades a free action? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man, I I I tried them out the other day. Um, man, it's just not worth using right? an action to do that so this is what i've decided i've decided that the only unit units 
that you probably put smoke grenades on are like a na- uh, like a generic stormtrooper with a medic. Um, I could I could see like a generic stormtrooper with a medic with smoke grenades like following okay, yeah. generator around. Like that that I don't think is super horrible. I like it. Um, I don't think it's super great. Uh, it's it's tough to give yeah, like totally mid cover, right? And if you've got just like a med bot unit trailing them anyways, you know they're probably not spending their like that's probably better than an attack. Yeah, definitely. Like them. you just lay down a chain oh. of smoke nades that Vader walks through a path to the enemy, so he always has cover. Yeah, yeah. So and, and not to mention the oh. narrative effect oh, yeah. of Vader walking through the smoke. Right? <laughs> like, just, yeah, I think if. That's gotta be I think if you do that, you got to bring like some cotton balls to the yeah, yeah. your table. He's got like a crew of guys following him around with a fog machine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some late. You're Just right. like yeah. the movies. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, you guys got any final thoughts? We'll hit we'll hit the Clone Wars upgrade packs next week. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they're game changers for the the new factions. Uh, definitely for clones. I don't know if I agree on droids. If nothing but... else, I'll run the models because the aliens look really fun, and um, I want to paint this. After the rebels, can, can I just can I? I'm sure. gonna pet peeve for okay. a minute here. I'm a little bit miffed that a lot of these heavy weapons feel like four ofs in a lot of lists that you want them in. Uh, I think that's true of the DLT-20 and the RT-97. I don't know that it's true of any of the other weapons. I don't know. I think the range 4 droid gun is pretty, pretty good. We can, we can, we can argue about that. <laughs> I, I know. There's, there's varying yeah. opinions on that. I get it. I was in your camp a while ago. I actually think the range 4 gun is pretty good. Um, after having played against it a few times. I think the clone one is probably... The clone one's like... You just kind of like want one or two of of a couple things and they're really good, but you don't want more than one or two of them. Um, but I, but I sort of feel like if you're taking stormtrooper RTs, if you're taking stormtroopers, you like pretty much want the RTs. And if you want the RTs, you want like four. And if you're taking the DLT, you want like four. And I don't really want to spend $60 per faction on upgrade packs. I'm going to be honest. Um, that's just a pet peeve of mine. I wanted to get it out of my system. I've said it. If you guys like to add to it, feel free. Uh, no. <laughs> I, agree, I definitely agree with you on the Rebels and on the Empire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's let's close this thing out. Um, we are the Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm Mike. And I'm David. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Ban lying in wait. <laughs>